welcome to the LD Lounge. I'm your host, Yolanda Fraction, and in this episode, we'll be joined by Cassie Labori. Cassie Labori is a live online facilitator, producer, instructional designer, and virtual training expert. She's also a frequent and popular speaker at the Association for Talent Development, Training Magazine, and other learning and development conferences. In this episode, we'll be discussing virtual production. How do you know when you should have a virtual producer? Should you be your own virtual producer if you're a learning team of one, like me? (laughs) In this episode, I sit down with Cassie Labori to answer these questions and chat about her new book, Producing Virtual Trainings, Meetings, and Webinars, that focuses solely on virtual production. Whether you choose to be your own virtual producer or to hire one to support you, this conversation will leave you with lots to think about and work on. Cassie, I am so excited to be able to talk with you today about your brand new book, Producing Virtual Trainings, Meetings, and Webinars. So tell all of us, um, why did you choose to write this book? I just felt that there was the need for an entire book devoted to this idea of what's a producer or what are these production tasks that you talk of? (laughs) Yes, yes. And so that's what I put together and put out there. And it's really meant for trainers and uh, anybody who's delivering virtual meetings and webinars uh, for them to recognize what are the production tasks that go into all of this so that I can focus on my my messaging, my content, my my connection of that content to the participants and and their experience. Um, Because there's a whole bunch of technical detail and administrative detail and logistical detail that go into the delivery of an online event. And I just felt it deserved its own attention. Well, that is really interesting because I know a lot of us don't have the option of doing it any other way. We have to get, like you said, good at the virtual training aspect. And for me, I'm actually coming into a work-related project where for the first time, I will not have anyone assisting me with production. And I've always, for the most part, been a learning and development team of one. And I know there are a lot of them out there. Because as I was talking with my peers in the field in various aspects of my personal role, professional role, I've just been having these conversations about, hey, like, do you feel like this is a lot? And I know there are a lot of us who wear lots of different hats. So I'm really curious, have you seen a lot of people come to you and say, hey, I have to do it all. Maybe I can't hire a producer, but what are the things that I need to know to make sure that I'm, I have a good virtual training and I consider those production aspects? So the first part of your question, do I have a lot of people coming to me saying that they're the only one? I used to. Before March of 2020, it was very common for people to say I'm the only one or my organization isn't going to be able to provide me with that type of support in the form of right. another person. However, things are changing and with the amount of virtual training that people are doing, and, and the way that we're living our work lives today, people are recognizing that it is in fact too much because now everyone's doing it. And so you have people who are just emerging, which is actually what happened in my career. It emerged as, I need help. Can you do that part? You know, like long ago when you roll it back, I talk about this in the book, like how in the world did I get here? <laughs> uh, when I first started doing virtual training, it was for WebEx. And I was teaching how to do the thing that we were doing. And so, of course, I didn't necessarily go into it thinking I'm going to need someone to manage that because I'm teaching the thing that I'm managing. 
and you know how it is when you do something like that, you can, you can mess up and then still say, well, I'm teaching you, right? And I messed up on purpose, <laughs> you know, or whatever <laughs> it might be. Um, but even then though, so as I had my, my, my product trainer role at WebEx way back in the late nineties, I, we as a team of product trainers helped one another when things would go wrong or, you know, we had IT on instant message every time we trained online because we were supporting the product and we wanted the clients to be happy with the product. And if something wasn't working, mm -hmm. I couldn't be on the phone and be like, hang tight, new client, while I get tech support. I had to keep talking and smiling and demonstrate what was working. And then at the same time, instant message, IT help me, can't get this thing to work, fix it, come in, you know? And so that it, it emerged when I had my role at WebEx, but we as product trainers did it for one another. And so then when I went on to the next role that I had, I was using all the products and we were all trainers of all those products because I was now teaching people how to be virtual trainers and presenters. Right. And we were all doing that, but we were helping each other because we recognized I've never been in what was then Microsoft Live Meeting. Can you just help me run this? And um, two trainers would show up and teach that stuff, but we would... I would lead on content while my co-trainer would lead on setting up the pull and doing the breakout or whatever. And then they would teach a portion and I would take over the tech part of it. And so it emerged there. And then, and then you know, I'm learning more and doing more. And I, I go on to the next job that I had in my career, which was at Dale Carnegie. And now we're talking about global development and global delivery. And you have people all over the world who already know how to teach Dale Carnegie. Uh, messaging and content and experience mm. and they needed to learn how to teach that online and then we found very quickly they're not going to become the support person at the same time they're trying to learn how to teach what they do online that's enough tech and so now we had to find people that could sit next to them virtually and support them and then that's then that role gets even more specifically defined because we had to define what specifically are the trainers responsible for and what specifically are these people who we're we going to we're going to call producers going to be responsible for and then you have to manage that you know where how do people not step on each other's toes and how do you work through that whole choreography right but anyway so the more you do this the more people realize they need help with it in some form yes there's still a lot of people out there that are doing this on their own and i i am hopeful that i wrote the book from the perspective of here's what else you need to learn right and it, it is a lot for one person to do. And I think every single person who is one person who's hearing me right now already knows this. <laughs> they probably viscerally know this. Um, and uh, in fact, I do have one solution in there for, well, there's lots of solutions, but one in particular is uh, a certain type of producer that's specifically for the person who is on their own. And I call that the start time producer where I'm like, okay, you're gonna be teaching the class by yourself. You've designed it yourself. You're the one person training team. But let's be honest here. In the beginning, when you first click start, that's when most of the tech problems happen. And so get a friend to help you at the company for the first 15 minutes. <laughs> Just right. have them partner up and then they can head out and you'll take care of the rest, right? You got this. Um, so the start time producer is really just there to help you get started so that you can open with impact, as we say at Carnegie. <laughs> open with impact. That really makes me think a lot about the fact that I have been multitasking so much when I do uh, a training by myself. 
And I think that a lot of people will be delighted to know that it's okay to ask for help. <laughs> and I think especially as, you know, women, sometimes we try to do it all. We're strong. We are resilient. And I think for a fact that I'm encouraged to say, hey, can you just help me for 15 minutes? And yes. what good colleague won't just say, all right, sure, 15 minutes. I mean, that's water cooler yeah, time, right? It <laughs> is. And, like, and also, cooler. <laughs> why would they not want to grow their skills and get better at it? And, you know, and then I always make a point of uh, really highlighting that person. Like, you know, Yolanda's going to be here with us guys for 15 minutes. That's all we got with her. Hold on to her hold on to her, you know, and then I'm like, and then when it's time for you to leave Yolanda, we all thank you so much. We really want you to come back whenever we need you. We hope we don't have any tech problems. We're so thankful that you were here. We're going to miss you. You know, you make the person feel really great, right? Yes. <laughs> Which is authentic. You know, you're so happy because they helped you so much. But, you know, reality is it's very difficult to be like, you know, we, we all have a certain level of, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, anxiety or, or stress. Maybe you might call it you stress when you're about to begin right. a class or a presentation, right? And um, if I'm having to help you plug in your headset and connect, I am no longer thinking about my messaging and how to open with an impact that's going to engage you. Like engagement is what suffers when tech support is required. Engagement mm. suffers. I think it does. Because what are the other 19 people doing while well, the one can't plug in the headset? And the one who can't plug in the headset needs help and deserves help. And what, do, what are we in training and learning? You know, we help people. <laughs> and so I desire to help okay. them. But then what do the other 19 do? And then am I thinking about my objectives and my goals in that moment anymore. And the interesting thing is when someone is suffering from a tech perspective, their technology is not working or we're having trouble getting everyone logged in on time. It really makes you feel like you're now having to play catch up as a facilitator. Yes. You're like, Oh my gosh, I just lost five minutes, 10 minutes and you feel embarrassed. So this wave of emotions that we all feel, it's just like overpowering sometimes. Yeah. And so as a facilitator, um, you want to be fully there. You want to be all in. And so having that extra support, even at the beginning is really helpful. Yeah. I'm really curious. I mean, I know that you have this new book out that's focused on production and I'm thinking about my background as a theater person. It would be very overwhelming for me to be the actor, turn on the lights, make sure that everyone can hear me. I mean, that's, there's a lot that goes into those different aspects, but what do you feel is the most important aspect of the producer? The most important is just that they're there. Ah, <laughs> they okay. can, you know. But the way that I really simplified it, because it does play out in in different ways based on the kind of producer that you're using, uh, and the type of event that you're running, uh, which is also what I outline in the book. You know, there's different types of producers, different types of events, okay. and so um, to me, I think the very simple answer to that is the trainer is focused on content and meaning. The producer is focused on technology and logistics. Mm. So I think the simplest way to look at that is like this. I want to put people into small groups because that's going to help them work through the meaning of that objective. I want them to consider it and reflect on it and be able to figure out how they'll be applying that in their own jobs. Very different thinking and instructions to the 
how many people are working together, where do they download the handout, what group are they in, how do they get in that group, how do they unmute themselves, how much time do they have. <laughs> you know, right. All that is different stuff. And if I'm focused, I, I will, that will be the main focus when you are in the virtual classroom, won't it? Because otherwise I can't do, I can't do the talking about the, the case study and how you'll apply it if I don't know where to click to put people in the small groups. And so what you'll do is you'll focus primarily on just getting them in there. And then, you know, they all get in there and they go, what are we doing? And the trainer's like, they're finally in there. I hope it doesn't break. I don't know why I sent them there anymore. I forgot. <laughs> you know, that's what happens. That's the reality of, of it. Until you're very comfortable, until you know the tech, which is, you know, hundreds of deliveries later. It definitely makes things run smoother. I mean, by having someone, you know, the last few trainings that I've done personally, I've always had maybe an intern help out with the training. So I had a training development intern learn how to do this production and we had an outline and this is what you do at the beginning. You post the person's bio and, you know, make sure that the breakout rooms are open. If someone has trouble with the breakout room, help them. Yes. So I definitely feel like what you're saying is very applicable to my current role as someone who's working in a small nonprofit versus working with maybe thousands and thousands of people. So I'm curious, what do you find is the difference between you? You mentioned the different types of production. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more? I know you go into this in your book about maybe how you might work in a larger corporation that's, you know, has so many people versus how you might work if you're maybe in a small organization. Do you notice any production differences? Yeah, I, I do. Well, simply because of resources, it's more likely that a large organization could hire a person or a team of people because they're probably running a whole lot more events and it would be more cost effective for them to have a few people lead on that. And so you have people that are employed that are running the production side of, of the training of the events, depending on you know the department that's running it, whereas smaller organizations are probably people are have more than one role and they're helping each other more. And, and I'm going to be the producer for today, but then the next day I'm the presenter, you know, or maybe it's the, the training coordinator who might come in and help with production tasks. Uh, and then there's even a third thing that could happen and is growing in popularity. Uh, people hire out producers either on contract uh, from people who work independently or from organizations that, that provide producers. And so like, I, ha I have some really good friends. They run the virtual learning collaborative, uh, Sonia and Lisa, and they have producers for hire. And oh. in fact, uh, that's where I go. When, when the people that are that I normally work with who are independent aren't available, I'm always working with Sonia and Lisa and saying, hey, I need some producers, you know, for the following dates and times. And they just, they're there for me. And uh, that's, that's so those different ways that it plays out. And uh, I think it just depends on, you know, maybe what you know about <laughs> first off, and then two, just what kind of uh, resources you have available to you. Well, all of these tips sound really useful. I can definitely see myself applying them to my job. I mean, this is just amazing that you've developed this book right in the midst of a pandemic where we're all forced to happily work remotely and do virtual training and figure it all out. Um, before we leave today, what's one thing that you'd like to leave with your fellow L&D professionals, maybe something that's still resonating in your head as you kind of offer to them this wonderful opportunity to learn more about virtual production? 
Oh, well, just, um, you know, the, the production side of things is really going to help us to be better trainers and better presenters. And so really focusing on what these are, whether it's you that is delivering it yourself or having people come along and help you so that you can determine how you can be your best. And uh, what I think is going to be happening in the year to come uh, is, and I, I just, this has been resonating with me a whole lot as I've been considering it, because of course we want to know where we heading, and I, I have no crystal ball, but just based on the last two decades of what I've seen happen and, and then specifically what happened over the last year, I think we're going to see a whole bunch of technology come from every single corner, uh, nook and cranny of the world. And I think that it would be wise for all of us to just stay really open and flexible be willing to learn and try things. Um, I know for myself, I maybe am not going to be like all in on any new technology just yet because I kind of want to see what floats to the top as really good. Um, but I've got my eye out for all the things that are coming because now that all eyes are on working remotely, training virtually, including Hollywood, I think we're going to see some amazing stuff. I mean, it's amazing to me that all of our television shows, uh, all the performances, I mean, gosh, the Grammys, all of the, all this stuff is now being conducted in things like Zoom. And mm. so when you have Jimmy Fallon, you know, all the people in the, the, the world of Hollywood paying attention to how to be looking great and sounding great via the Zooms and the WebExes of the world, you know it's only going to get better now. Our options are going to get better. And so I just kind of can't wait for what's going to come. But at the same time, I think we also need to have a discerning eye. And this is the year of, you know, don't just fall for anything, you know, because we're going to be getting a lot. And so I'm excited, but I'm also cautious. Mm. And, uh, you know, focus on what you know to be true about how people learn, how we build relationships you know, and what we really need, because we're going to get a lot of tech this year. A lot of sure. tech. And it can be noisy. It can be really, really noisy when there's so much coming at you and you're trying to decipher what's good and what's not good. Yeah. Um, the last thing that you said really resonated with me because I was thinking about how much I love Broadway. And right now I can't, I can't go to New York to see Broadway, but I love the production. I mean, the production is so clean and smooth. You forget about the lights and you forget about the sound because you're you're just taking it all in and you're focusing on the content, right? Um, I just saw Hamilton last year. And I, to be honest, I can't remember what color the lights were, but the sound worked because it, it all worked, right? It you, all works. And that's what you want fails, for your remember. <laughs> that's right. That's why the tech support problem in the beginning of the class is such a, you can't have it happen because they, they'll remember only that. And, and so you're right. You want it to be so great that nobody recognizes that it was even a thing. And, and that's what the production is. I know I too have been enjoying all these online versions of Broadway since we can't go and be at their in-person Broadway. <laughs> but what a neat creative thing that's happened. Uh, did you see, and you mentioned Hamilton, did you see them all singing? Uh, they all recorded the individual parts and then put them together into one? I did not. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. The entire cast from their, from their homes singing their parts and they brought it all together and it still makes you cry or get excited or whatever part. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I mean, I've been definitely been checking out some of these virtual concerts and, you know, like I said, I'm a theater minor and I love theater. I love production actually. I love every aspect of it. 
Um, and as an actor, you cannot shine if you don't have that spotlight. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> you right. Know? And, know. and, you know, at the end of the day, I think there's something magical that happens when you forget about the people behind the scenes. And I think a good producer is there, but you don't know it. That's right. And they're, it's almost like they're, you know, they're in all black. If you think about the theater, they're the person moving the chairs, putting things on set <laughs> yeah. and yes. you forget about it. And it's lovely. Um, so I think you're leaving with us a beautiful gift, this this book on virtual production. How can they learn more about your work, Cassie? How can they maybe perhaps reach out to you, connect with you? How can they find you online? I have uh, lots of information and things happening on my website, which is CassieConsulting.com. And also LinkedIn. I very much enjoy the interactions in the community at LinkedIn. And I think that would be a great way to stay connected with me as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for being on the L&D Lounge, and I wish you all the best in making sure that you help to produce uh, wonderful trainings and helping others, empowering others to produce virtual trainings, really. So thank you for that legacy of a book. Thank you so much, Yolanda. That wraps up this episode of the L&D Lounge. Thank you for listening. And if you love what you're listening to, be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. All right, y'all stay healthy. See you next time.